Could you take your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9? 2 Samuel chapter 9. Amen. I just really felt the Holy Spirit today in a, in a really unique way. And when I was at home this morning, just in prayer before the Lord, I felt like the Lord just said, I want to minister to, to people individually. And, and He wants there to be an understanding that not only is God for you, He's with you, but he's working all things together for good. Amen? How many of you believe that our God, uh, Jerry, just appreciated your word today. Uh, man, you need to write a book on what you just said right up here today. You know, our identity, so much of us today, our identity is in the things around us, where we come from in our family, friends, job, money, status, those things. How many of you know those things are so fleeting and they pass away? And it's here today, it can be gone tomorrow. Things change. Life happens. Situations happen in our life. God never intended for you to be shaken and moved by those things. Now, you know, today we saw it and we sang a lot about God's love and God's grace and mercy. And, but how many of you know God's love is not just so you can get all mushy and sweet and feel good? Uh, God's love was intended to do something far greater than just be a magnet that would draw you to a place of repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to where? Repentance. Everyone say transformation. God never intended for you to stay where you are. Never intended for you to stay in the same place. The only thing that ever stays in the same place is a coffin in a cemetery. And there's a lot of churches today that are in the same place. They've been the same week, same month, same year, same decade. Pastors preach the same message as God never intended for you to stay the same. He intended for you to go from glory to glory. Amen. We're rising and we're shining. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're coming up. No, no, no. Now now really say it like you mean it. You're, you're, You're coming up. Now say this, you're brilliant. The Bible says arise and shine. There's a brilliancy. The Bible says that he's given us beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. I want to pray right now also. Uh, The Lord spoke to me. Does somebody have a ringing in your ears right now? Okay, the Lord just spoke to me uh, to pray for you about the ringing in your ears. You have a ringing right now? Okay. Uh, could you just around people around her lay hands on Mary behind you and, and Jerry as well? Both of them got the ringing in the... I, for some reason, that this hit me about ringing in the ears. Father, we thank you that through the power of the nature of the name of Jesus, there's healing. We speak to these ears. We speak, Lord, to these bodies. Lord, you said that your name and your grace and glory would be glorified in our bodies. So Lord, we just thank you that you have taken your place of kingship and authority over this ringing in the ears in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to, both ladies, look at me. I want you to do something. This is strange. I want you to open your mouth as wide as you can. Open his mouth. Wide as you can. Huh? Now close your mouth. Open it again. Close your mouth. Is your ringing still there? Be honest. If it's still there, it's okay. Is it, how, are you, how, how are you feeling, Mary? It's still there? Okay, we're not done praying. Camille, lay your hands on our ears, would you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We speak against the ringing in the ears. We serve a God who is the now God. You said, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. We speak to the ringing in Mary's ears. We speak life, we speak power and grace in Jesus' name. Mary, look at me. Open your mouth again like this. As big as you can. Now close your mouth. You still got ringing. Be honest. So it's going down. Really. It's really going down. Okay. Now I want you to put your hands in your own ears. Jesus actually did this. Put your fingers in your ears. We're not not cleaning your ears out, by the way. 
I just want you to put your ears, and I want you to say this with me. In Jesus' name, I'm healed. Thank you, Father, for my healing. In Jesus' name, amen. Now pull your ears out. How do you feel? Really? Okay? Praise God. And now, we're not done. Yes? Oh, I'm sorry. My, by the way, I, I get messages from our sound men to straighten my life up up here. I'm supposed to stay up here, and they're, they're absolutely right. Uh, I can't come down here. Uh, but uh, I want to get that. But I really felt like the Lord just spoke to me that there's some, some people right now going through a serious, uh, I'm not just talking about some financial bumps, but you are really going through a serious financial issue in your life. And, 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 it's, and God wants to break some things, uh, give you a breakthrough, financial breakthrough. It doesn't mean you're in sin. doesn't mean something's wrong with you. I mean, it's just some things that really hit you. If that's you, you need prayer. Why don't you raise your hand right now? We're going to pray over you, okay? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that you're a God who provides. You're a God who sees, who knows. You, you even know the things that we need of before we ask. And, Lord, we stand on the ground of the Word of God. Your Word says that we would prosper, we would be in health even as our soul would prosper. We pray for breakthrough. We ask you for favor on the finances of your people. Lord, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. 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 How, many, how many of you came this morning with a sense of expectancy? See, God, God wants to open our eyes to the fact that he does exceedingly abundantly above. Everyone say that with me. Exceedingly abundantly above. Say it again. Exceedingly abundantly above. He wants to make your marriage better, stronger. He wants to make you a greater leader. He wants to bring wealth into your life. Listen. So you can bless others. God wants to bless you so you can become a blessing. God wants to heal you so you can bring healing in life and use the testimony for others in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I I, want to say this, that sometimes we come, we come, and I want to say this to all the young people. God wants to put a holy fire inside all of you guys. You know, one of the things that's tough for young people, I, I, I've been young, there was a day when I was young, we, we become very self-conscious about, well, what everybody else is doing. And you know what? One day the Lord spoke to my heart. I'm not kidding you. The Lord spoke to my heart when I was about at 15 years old to come down and sit in the very front row. I was the only one in the very front row while everyone was second, third, fourth, fifth, second rows back. And I'm down there, and I, I, I wasn't trying to show off. But I felt like the Lord said, I want you to take the lead. Yeah, but Lord, no, no, no one else is moving. No one else is doing it. He says, don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. You do, you do what I tell you to do. I'll never forget that. And so I took the first step down. It, it's not that the first row is any holy row. I'm not trying to say that. But, but, but something happened. Three, four weeks later, somebody joined me. Then about a month later, another person joined. I was the first youth in our church way back in 1967 to come in the front row. And this is another thing. And it was the Holy Spirit. It was the Lord speaking to my heart. The Lord began to speak to me. He says, I want you to be an example and be an influence. God used my youth pastor, I will say that. But God began to speak to me, be, to me about that I was anointed to have influence and to take leadership. Now, some of us may say, well, <laughs> this is why the devil works overtime on your identity. I mean, even though the devil works overtime to say, you shouldn't do that. You, you can't do that. I mean, you can't sing. You can't lead. You can't dance. You can't do. You can't worship. What if everybody knew about all those secret little sins in your life? Oh, and, and you know what we don't do? What we don't do? We don't filter those voices out. We don't say, wait a minute. Everyone say, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is not of God. This is not right. 
Jesus said that he gave me power. He gave me love. He gave me a sound mind. And he, inf- he does, how, how many of you know that we live in a very confused, divisive, distorted generation today? We've got a lot of people. Do you know, l- l- let me tell you something. Parents, parents, listen to me. Half the kids in going to church today don't know if they even believe in the Bible anymore. Coming to church is not going to do it. There needs to be leadership in the home, we need to talk about God's goodness, God's love, God's grace, His mercy. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. It needs to come from dad and mom. It needs to come from you. And not just preaching at them, not beating the Scripture over their head. But it needs to come in a way where you have a passion for God's goodness. If God is not fun, if God is not exciting, if God is not loving, if God is not good, guess what? God is boring. God must be way out there somewhere. I've got to bring the goodness, the love, the joy. And you know what? Sometimes it's a walk of faith. I don't always feel feel like being happy and joyful and sometimes I don't even feel like getting up here leading and teaching and preaching sometimes. Sometimes I, I feel like just staying home, man, and watching the NBA or something like that. Oh, there's a Carlos Ida Ray that, man, that makes some of you be shocked. But you know what? I get up by faith and we pray and we bind the strongholds. We bind the lies of the enemy and we begin to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a, there's a bigger picture. There's, there's more at stake than my comfort. As a father, as a leader, as a mother, as a couple in my home, I'm setting in, in an example in what becomes a casual attitude in my life becomes a moral conviction for my kids. What you take casually they take it to the next level. Towards the kingdom or away from the kingdom. So your mouth, you got to open your mouth. Everyone say, my mouth. i got to talk about the Lord. I need to pray. I need to seek the Lord. I need to encourage myself in the Lord, encourage others in the Lord. I need to be a leader. I need to have influence. I need to realize that I'm not just some little young person sitting in the front row, back row, second row, third row, fifth row. God's, like Nehemiah was talking about, God's got a call on their life. God wants to use them to move and be shakers, world changers. God wants to use their lives in ways that are so far beyond what they could even imagine or think. But what it takes, what it takes is influence. Everyone say influence. When's the last time you stepped outside of your box and said you to someone else are a mighty man of God? You're a mighty woman of God. You you amaze me. You're a blessing. What's the last time you said that to someone else? You may say, well, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? Giving and serving and blessing other people. I'm the one that's in need. Guess what? Newsflash. If you want to be blessed, be a blessing. If you want to receive, learn to give. If you want to increase, learn to sacrifice. If you want to expand your borders. I love what Isaiah 53 says. It's talking about a barren woman. It says, sing, O barren, sing. It didn't say, sing, O mother who's going to have lots of children to sing. We know that that woman does, she's already got a reason to sing. But God loves to talk to barren people. He loves to encourage the barren, the, the dead. He, he loves to speak to prophets like Ezekiel. He says, Ezekiel, do you see that valley over there? It's filled with dry, dead, stinking, worthless, lifeless bones. I want you to go over there, and I want you to feel sorry for them. Somebody says, I want you to go over there and just kind of 
do the verge of mourning and sadness. No, he says, I want you to go and prophesy to the bones. When I was speaking to Mary here about the ringing in her ear, when I asked her to speak the word, what we're doing is on earth as it is. How many of you know there's no ringing of the ears in heaven? So when I'm on earth and I begin to declare what has already happened and finished and completed in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, when I begin to say, ringing of the ears, in Jesus' name you are healed. Not because I feel it, not because I, I, my body necessarily responds or reacts immediately, I, I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. He says, about one-third of the people he prayed for never got instant healing. But he said this. He says, what you do is you need to believe. And believing means that you need to now walk out your healing. That means you live as though you have been healed. You, you don't sit there, well, Lord, I'm still waiting here for you to do something. You know, I love what David said today. David said this powerful word. He talked about the man of the pool of the Bethesda. The problem with all the guys, it's an amazing. Jesus comes around. He, he deals with one man. And the problem with the rest of them is they all had their eyes on the wrong thing. They were looking at the pool, and yet Jesus was right in the midst. They were waiting. Everyone say waiting. Do you know that since the Holy Spirit has come, you no longer have to wait? You have, it's, it's not about waiting. It's about what you've got your focus on. Jesus said, take up your bed. It says Jesus knew that he'd been there for 38 years. He said, I know you've been here a long time. But he says, do you want to be made whole? He, what, what an insulting question. It was, it's, it, to me, it's almost an indictment to, to literally, do I want to be? I, Lord, I've been waiting. Jesus asked him, do, do you really want to be healed? The guy says, well, Lord, I don't have anybody to help me get in the water. And every time I try to get in, somebody jumps ahead of me. And there's this, I just, I'm just so full of excuses and reasons why I'm a victim. And I just, I'm just still, I'm just still here waiting for God to do something for me. How sad. You know what Jesus says? Get up, rise, take your bed, start walking. Now, how many of you know that would be a Holy Ghost jolt? Forgive me. A Holy Ghost jolt. Do you know what faith has to do to us? It has to jolt us sometimes. I know this might cross some theology here. Well, Pastor, I was, I was here to kind of get the warms and the fuzzies and the, just, just, I just need a spiritual massage in Jesus' name that I just want you to just kind of put me to sleep. Oh, just massage me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, 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 Lord. Mm. We're not here for a spiritual massage. God's here to take us to new levels. And anytime we go to new levels, there's bigger devils. So we're not going behind. We're not looking behind. We're, we're moving ahead. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. We've been talking. Last week I opened up a message that I never got finished. How many of you noticed I never finish a message? It's an amazing thing. I can't even get through my notes. And I'm still on my notes that I started four weeks ago on Wednesday night. But that's okay. Because guess what? It's not my church. It's his house. But uh, I, I, I know what the Holy Spirit is doing. Uh, this is the year of the Holy Spirit. What the Lord spoke to me in January, that he wants to move by his spirit. He wants to renew our minds. He wants to renew your vision. He wants you to begin to come with a sense. Not just come to church. He wants you to live. Live with expectancy. He wants you to know that there's something powerful inside of you. It's the Holy Ghost. It can move mountains. It can shake kingdoms. You have the power to lead, to influence others. And by the way, I want to say this as well. You will make the devil mad. You will put a target on your back. And if you're not ready for it, then wimp out. 
Jesus said, unless you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciples. I am not interested myself in pastoring a church. I, I am not here. Boy, I've got to be careful how I say this. I'm not here for you. I'm here because of what he asked me to do. I am not here for you. I love you. I care about you. I literally am very concerned for not just anybody here, but not here. There's a lot of people, by the way, we need to pray. I need to, I just remembered this. There's a lot of people sick today. They're physically sick at home. We need to pray that God touches their bodies. Can we do that right now? Father, we just thank you. That, Lord, through the atonement and the blessing and the work of the cross and the shed blood of Jesus, the stripes laid on your back, we, we speak healing and life to those, Lord, that are homesick. We know this influenza, the flu situation's going around. Father, we just, we just speak life to those kids, these people, these adults today. Life, life, life in Jesus' name. Father, bring, bring your presence. Let your spirit be revealed to them in a rich and a real way to them when we give you praise. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I want you to jump with me. We're going to read this chapter and I am moving. Second Samuel chapter nine. This is David. David is in the height of a peak of favor and blessing. And God has given him literally a dominion and superiority and victory with all of his enemies. And in the midst of all of this, we come into this passage. It says, now David said, verse 1, is there any one who is left from the house of Saul? That was the guy who tried to kill him for 16 years. That I might show kindness, show him kindness. Everyone say kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was a servant from the house of Saul whose name was Zibia, who had called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Zibia? And he said, at your service. And the king said, is there not anyone, someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of? Of God. How many of you believe God is kind? Now think about this. David is the new reigning king who was hunted down like an animal by Saul to be killed because he was jealous. <clears throat> Yet David, instead of returning what he could have done and what a lot of pagan kings used to do, was destroy the descendants because of the potential coup or a raising up. But David does not do that. David shows kindness to his enemies, the descendants of his enemies. This is not just an Old Testament story, folks. This is a picture of Jesus. The story of David is a powerful Old Covenant understanding with a new covenant reality on how David, one of the reasons why David was anointed king, why David was blessed, why David received favor from God, is because David was a man after God's own heart. How many here want to be a man and woman after God's own heart? Well, if you want to be blessed like David was blessed, we need to do what David did. And so here we find that in this text... David, verse 4 says, So the king said to him, Where is he? Everyone say that with me. Where is he? How many of you know God's searching after a lot of people? Where is he? Where is she? Where are they? Where are they at? See, one of the signs of a true spirit-filled Christian is you care for people. You care about, where are they? What happened to them? Normally, most people would say, well, I hope they rot in hell. His grandfather tried to kill me. But not David. David said, where is he? I want to find the guy. I'm sure everybody was saying, I wonder why. David said, I want to show him kindness. I want to bless the guy. I want to show them the love of the Father. I want to show them the love of God. I want to, I want to show them mercy. Yeah, but that's not what he deserves. 
You know what that guy and his family, they were hateful, they were angry, they were dysfunctional, they were bad people. And you, David, want to show what? Boy, it's awful quiet in here. I want to show him kindness. But, but, but David, you, you, you don't understand, David. Uh, Mephibosheth is the grandson of Saul, and, and he, might, he might strike a coup, and they might try to take over the kingdom and take your church away from you. You know, a good leader is not jealous about people that are stronger than he. It's one thing I, I had the privilege and the blessing of growing under a pastor who gathered men around him that had strengths that was stronger than him. I'm not up here because I'm the better preacher. In fact, I'm not. My strength is not preaching and teaching. It's not. But Brother Dick brought men around him that could preach and bless and do other things. But that's not the key. The key was the heart of a father is what Pastor Iverson had. David had the heart of a father here. When you have a heart of a father, you're not worried about the darkness and the sin and the issues in other people's lives. You know why? Because your mind and your heart has been so transformed that good always wins out over evil. Light always overcomes darkness. Grace always abounds greater than sin. And unless you understand that and have been transformed by that love, guess what? You're going to be a judge. You're going to write people off. God forbid that I should be around that person. I mean, to me, the foundation needs to be checked out. You know, there's, you know, it's amazing. I preach this message, and guess what? God tests me. Sometimes I wish I wouldn't open my big mouth because God will allow me to go through something that I will have to practice it. And then my wife lets me know, well, you just preached that, right? So why aren't you walking in it? I guess you're right. Completely forgot about last week's message. Oh, I'm supposed to love my enemies. Whoa. Okay. Here's another, here's another revelation, newsflash. Love has nothing to do with your emotions or your feelings. There's nothing to do with it. When you love someone, you were true love, Jesus says, no greater love than this, no greater than that a man lay down his life. You haven't even begun to love until you're willing to lay down your life which is not, you know what, there's a term in our culture today that, that, that is not conceptually and it's not even real. And it's called this, it's called falling in love. Do you know you can't fall in love? It's impossible to fall in love. What you do is fall into lust. You can fall into infatuation. You can fall into an attraction. But you cannot fall in love. I'm, I think I'm falling in love with you. When the next time a person says that, just say, no, you're not falling in love. You're lost. You don't love me at all. What a slap in the face that was. You can't fall in love. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. Guess what? Love is work. Love means i got to work on some things. There's things about you and me that just don't seem to jibe, but I'm going to work on it. I'm willing to work on my relationship and communication and listen, and it means I've got to be patient with your faults, and I'm going to be open to your issues, and I'm going to believe in you when I don't want to believe in you, and I'm going to be your friend. And love, in fact, in the Greek term, the Greek is, is, is a term I forgot the word. It's it's an agricultural term, and I forgot what... Organic. It's something that has to do with an organic principle. You have to sow, water that seed, plant it, work with it. Love 
grows as you cultivate that love through working in it. You don't fall in love. So the next time, wasn't that a great news flash right there, praise God? Next time anybody says, I think I'm falling in love. No, you aren't. Not really. Because you can't. What you've done is you've, we've, we've distorted the concept. Love, lust, infatuation. By the way, anybody who says they love you and I've got to have sex now, I'm not love. That's called use and abuse. I want you for myself. Because true love is say, I will pay the price and I will wait however long it takes. I will honor you. I will esteem you. I love you so much that I want to protect you from any harm that would separate you from the Lord or bring any shame or guilt on your life. If, if we had those kind of conversations, guess what would happen? Man, we would have some amazing marriages. But what happened? We got a lot of well, you used me. I know why you like me because you used me. No. By the way, even if you've come out of a bad, rocky situation, God, yes, by His Spirit and grace, He can bring a brand new beginning in your life, and He can. He can do that. But there are some challenges and hoops to jump through. And I'm just being honest with you. But, but God loves you. David understood the love of God. He had the nature of Jesus. He had the nature of the Father in him. And he did not matter. It didn't matter if he was, that, that Mephibosheth was from the house of Saul. You may say, Pastor, what are, what are we preaching on this message for? Why are we talking about this? Because I believe God wants to bring a harvest in our lives. May not even be in this church, but he wants to bring a harvest in our lives. And there's lots of Mephibosheths around our lives. There are people that have hurt us, victimized us. There are people that are victims of collateral damage, which Mephibosheth was. He was the grandson of a grandfather who had a rotten reputation. A rotten one. He was a jealous, insecure king, Saul was. And yet David was anointed to be king. Wow, what a trade-off. But yet God, by the way, if you're going through a lot of trouble right now, can I just say, guess what? God is just preparing you for royalty. If you've been hated, if you've been chased, if you've been mistreated, if people have been over promoting, promoting you over other, or having others promoted over you, if you've gone through seasons in your life where you're beginning to scratch your head and say, what in the world is going on? Why is this happening? Guess what? God is working beyond your understanding, and he's working things together, and he's actually preparing you for something far greater. And you see, what the devil wants to do is sow thoughts and sow seeds into your mind. Say, God doesn't like you. God doesn't love you. It's because of this and this and this and this and this in your past. Therefore, God is there to wipe you out. And the devil sits there back. Yes, if I can just get them out of the house of God, if I can separate their faith from the word of God, if I can just somehow build a wall between them and God so they don't believe, pray, seek God, give, serve anymore. If I can just isolate them. I'll never forget several years ago, my wife and I talked to a woman. She, she, we couldn't find out where she was. She came to the church for a short time, then she was gone for several weeks. I finally got through to her. She was in a bedroom, in her own bedroom. Uh, blinds were closed, and she was in a fetal position for two weeks in a dark room, wasn't even eating, and all because of the spirit of fear. She had this issue about germs and all that thing called germs. And she just, and she kept listening to these lies till she just got into this fetal position in her bedroom in, in a dark place. She was dying. And I said, do you know what? And she claimed to be a Christian. I said, are, are you following? Are you reading your Bible? No, I'm not. Guess well, you're not feeding your faith. You're not. First John 4, 1 says to test the spirits, whether they are from God. Not every thought that comes into Ray's mind is a godly thought. Ray is chucking out bad thought. Do you know I chuck out bad thoughts every day? Every day, Ray, Gall Ray Galligan has to chuck out some bad thoughts. 
I don't know about, maybe you guys got all halos and maybe you got helmets on your heads. But every day, Ray Galligan has got to chuck out, throw out some really bad negative strongholds. Insecurities, fears, bad thinking, what people are really thinking about you, Ray. Get out in Jesus' name. Oh, they're out there. Get out. No, I'm not taking that thought any longer. I mean, the finances are going. God's presence is like, I got gone, devil. I refuse. I reject. If you, if you don't get radical, if you don't learn to fight the good fight, and if you're just playing ping pong with the devil, he throws you a bad thought, and you throw him a bad thought back. Just kind of playing ping pong with the devil. You need to stop playing ping pong and put your boxing gloves on. And you need to take a couple, and you need to give some good kicks and... You know, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 9 says, I'm not like one who beats the air, but I make sure that every hit counts. You know, you, you, you've got to get into a fighting mode. I mean, sometimes people, people call me and say, Pastor, I just, just want to understand what's just going on in my life. There's just things that are going on. And I'm saying, I said, have you prayed? Well, yeah, well, we're, we're trying. Are you giving thanks? Giving thanks for what? Why would I give thanks for this? Because giving thanks is one of the greatest, most powerful weapons you can ever give in the face of adversity. When you begin to give thanks, it cripples the powers of darkness. When you start saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I thank you for what is going on because you said all things are working together. You said I was more than a conqueror and you even said I'm blessed in heavenly places. Thank you, Lord. I bless you for this in Jesus' name. You may think, oh, Pastor Ray, you are just mocking the Bible. No, I'm not. Because, see, here's what God's doing. He's delivering you from yourself. Do you know the devil's not your biggest problem? It's you. That'll make everybody leave the church. What are you talking about? The devil has been stripped powerless. All he can do is tell you lies. The problem with you is you believe it. The second problem is you won't read your Bible. I am tired. I am sick and tired. But pastor, I can't read because I'm dexlaxic. Pray for your brain to be rearranged. We had, a, we had a young man that was our youth pastor years ago. Uh, some of you know him, and uh, he'd give me his permission a long time ago to share. He was Dick Soloxy. His name was Damian Skinner, great guy, amazing speaker, had a real gift in God. His doctor told him, and his mother says, you're Dick Soloxy, you cannot read. So guess what? He didn't read for years because the doctor said. Well, what does God's Word say? Okay? What does God's Word say? All things are possible. The Bible says the reason when Jesus, Matthew 7, he was speaking to the disciples. He said one of the reasons why you couldn't heal and cure this guy is because of your unbelief. And then Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would speak, speak. Everyone say speak, 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 speak. He didn't say thank. He said speak to the mountain. Let me just tell you, folks, demons and devils love quiet churches. If you're a person that says, well, I just don't lift my hands and worship the Lord because it's just not my nature. Well, let's get saved. Let's get filled with the Holy Ghost. Because you know what? When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have a shout. How many of you believe that we need to bring some Jericho walls down? There are some walls that need to come down. Now, isn't it amazing that God told Joshua to have the Israelites encircle, it's the word encircle in Hebrews 11, encircle the walls six days, and on the seventh day, you're to circle it in silence. Now listen to me. Why in the world would God have you go in circles? 
And then he's saying, I want you to keep your mouth shut while you're going in circles. Joshua was smart enough, he realized that for 40 years, the parents of these teenagers, by the way, do you know the book of Deuteronomy is written to teenagers? Because everyone under 20 years of age couldn't go into the land. The parents died in the wilderness. And you know why they died? Because they were complainers. They were murmurers. Everyone say complain. They complained. They murmured. They were immoral. They were given over to idolatry. And God says, I can't let you come in. It's not that God didn't want to bless them. Do you know why God prevented them from going into the land? It would have been suicide. It wasn't that God... Do you know that the thing that God wants to bless you with can be the very thing that can kill you? That doesn't make sense. How many of you believe God would love to give you more wealth? How many of you believe God would love to promote you on your job? How many of you believe that God would love to give us greater influence? What he does is he tests you in the small things. God did not bring Joseph and make him the prince of Egypt overnight from being a teenager from the dream. God tested Joseph by allowing him, first of all, to go through rejection first by his family. His brothers hated him because his father had given him a coat of many colors. Do you know that favor is not fair? By the way, I robbed that from T.D. Jakes. I I thought that was so good I need to say that. Favor is not fair. Everyone say that. Favor is not fair. When you begin to get favor from God, guess what's going to happen? People are going to start talking about you. You must have stole that from somebody. You must have really wiggled that one behind the scenes, didn't you? People have the worst... When you get favor, it's not fair. But then what happens? He gets taken to Potiphar's house. He sold to Potiphar, who was a high commander in the armies of Pharaoh. And in Potiphar's house, the Bible says that Potiphar so trusted this young man that he put him in charge over everything. Unfair! Can God give you something that you don't like and you'll still be faithful with a good attitude? Can God give you something that you don't like and still be faithful to the point where your employer or those in leadership say, you know what? That guy's rights have been stripped. He's my slave. And yet this guy still shines. He still comes across like a winner. I think I'll give him more responsibility. I think I, think I can trust him. One thing about Joseph, he didn't go around bragging about himself. <laughs> you know, I want you guys to understand where I'm coming from and who I am. He didn't need to do that. He was humble. He served. And guess what? made Joseph so powerful. He wanted to build others and empower them to be a success. It wasn't about finding his success. When you begin to focus on making others successful, it is that secret door that begins to bring promotion to you. Guess what? Then the second other misfortune, again, I'm off my message, but praise God, it's okay. Hallelujah. The second misfortune in Joseph's life is a woman. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him, sets him up. Potiphar's gone. Everybody's gone except the servants in the house. She gets rid of the servants. She tries to seduce Joseph, and she sets him up as though he's trying to rape her and makes up a lie. And in those days, a slave's word was nothing. But you know what happened? All of a sudden, Potiphar comes home. She makes up a story, a lie about, he tried to seduce, he tried to rape me, he tried. He did. Guess what happens to Joseph? Things go from bad to worse. Now he's in prison. 
He's in jail. Unfair! But he didn't even realize that God had him on the pathway to success. Do you know that your, your pathway to success <clears throat> may not be the way that you painted it out to be? Your pathway to success may not be the way you chose it to be. Your pathway of success might start by going down and even down further and even down further before things start to turn around. I love Joyce Meyer's testimony. A woman grew up in a home where she for seven years was raped, seduced, molested by her father, full of anger, full of hate. She had such a bad attitude that she married. She was married before, got divorced, got married to her husband now. And, and he even seemed to be distant, Joyce Myers. And yet Joyce Myers, the Lord said, you know what, Joyce? You can have it one or two ways. You can complain all your life and you can live in your misery. Or you can start looking to me and start watching me work in your life when you come to a place of total surrender. And stop listening and believing the lies that are in your head. And and this is what she said. I heard her say this. She says, I would have never guessed that God was going to bring me before millions to minister healing, deliverance, and life to women that were so broken. And this is what she said. She said this. I wouldn't trade a day of the misery I went through in my past for anything. Because God's glory, remember what Paul says, the sufferings that we are now and the afflictions we are now walking through are nothing to be compared to the exceeding eternal weight of glory that is coming from the Father. Joyce Meyer said that. Joseph's in prison. Guess what? These guys get dreams. Joseph's a dreamer, remember? Now, I don't know about you. This is is Ray Galligan talking. But you know what I would have done? I would have had an attitude. Number two, I would have said, you got some dreams? Keep them to yourself. I'm not here to interpret any more dreams for God. Every time I talk about dreams, it gets me deeper in trouble. I'm not kidding. That's what I would have thought about. Boy, Pastor Ray, you're really being real. You're not a kidding. I would have had an attitude check right there. I mean, I was rejected by my brothers, thrown, uh, uh, accused of seducing a woman and, and raping the girl. Now I'm in prison, and you two characters, a butler and a baker, come to me with a dream. Keep your dream. I'm sitting on the back of the church, and I got attitude issues, and I'm just not going to. That's where Ray Galligan uh, would be at that time. But you know what Joseph does? He goes before the Lord and God gives him the, inter- the interpretation of the dream. And he goes back to these guys and he gives them one, just, just one little request. Oh, by the way, when you go before the king, remind the king about me. Remember, remember me. Please remember me. And guess what? They forget. Everyone say forget. Have you ever, have you ever felt forgotten? Ever felt like, man, everybody else is getting moved up and promoted and blessed and just things are happening and I'm sitting here just dying in some jail cell, put here, wrong, it was illegal. I I just shared a dream, just had a dream. My dad gave me a nice coat and look where I'm at. I wish I would have I wish I would have just kept my big mouth shut in front of my brothers. God, you took advantage of me. That's what you did. When I was young and bragging, if I would have been older, you knew I wouldn't have said that to those brothers. I didn't know they hated me. God took advantage of me. That's what he did. God took advantage of my youth when I was immature and just spouting off the mouth. Now look where I'm at. Do you know why I'm saying all this? It's because there's a lot of believers in the church that think like this. Where were you, God, way back then when I was being mistreated? Can I say something? You are on the road to success. You are on a road that God is taking you through to prepare you Because here's here's what it's going to be. 
when he gets you to where he wants and what, he ever, what he's always planned for you, your testimony is going to be like Joseph in, in Genesis 48. When I was younger, it was all about me. But now that I'm older, God brought me here to save much life and to be a blessing for others. It's not about me anymore. One of the reasons why God doesn't use a lot of people is because there's me, 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 look at me, 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 give me, give me, give me, me. Oh, what about me? Poor me, poor me, bad me. Man, you got to get off that train. I got to read you a letter. Shirley, this is your son. No, no. (laughs) This is a good one. I wrote this young man and I told him, I said, God has you there for a purpose. I said, now, breaking the law is not God's purpose. But I said, God can take what has happened. We can see that in the life of the Apostle Paul. I gave him scripture out of 2 Timothy where Paul says, I was persecutor. I brought injury to the church. I murdered people. I had them put in prison and all that. But he says, and he says, I, I, I was one like born, I was one born, or I was one that was born out of due season. He, Paul says, I'm not even one to be numbered among the apostles. And I gave this to, uh, what, what's your son's name again? William. And uh, William just sent this to me February 21st. And I said, William, God's got you there to be a father, to be a leader. And... Uh, grant you influence and do some amazing things. And he writes me back. He says, Ray, I just want to start by saying, thank God your letter came right when I needed it. Most, uh, it was so encouraging me for for a lot of guys. He evidently read this to his whole group in there, his pod. Then he says this for, I don't know why he says this, but he says, by the way, uh, I sure love the perfume that was on the outside of your letter. It was a nice, fresh smell. By the way, folks, I don't wear perfume. I don't know where. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's what's in the letter, by the way. He says about nice perfume. I, I said, maybe it's the mail carrier. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, you know, one thing about being here at Open Heavens, we're just real. You know, I actually crossed that out not to read it, but I thought, might as well read it. I mean, we need a few laughs here a little bit. He says, God, God really inspired me through your letter. Uh, I, I begin to call a prayer meeting tonight in the pod of 48 guys. 14 of them joined in. And I read the scriptures that you sent me to read them out of Psalms 40 and Psalms 32. And I asked everyone in the circle to name either someone or something to add to the prayer list. I've attached in the letter a list of the list. Pastor Ray, I want you to, to thank you for your, uh, for your love and testimony as an individual who's gone through addiction, even as I have. It's been tough at times but, uh, to have other people relate to what you walked through, but, but you have uh, you've shared understanding, and I so appreciate everything. I do not yet have a court date. I'm here on a single charge. It's an F21, which holds a sentence of 2 to 20 years. I've yet to be uh, indicted. If they don't do it before March 6th, they have uh, PR bond. They will PR bond me, whatever that means. I'm putting it in God's hands with Him. All things are possible. I would really appreciate more verses. You have the time uh, when you write letters are so inspiring. God is using me in a way that I never thought imaginable. I received some money for food and such from Jenna Moore to help uh, with a a few other guys. We got some Hodgkin's ice cream and a little food. Uh, God blesses me. God has been blessing me to bless others. They're all amazed how I hadn't had anything for the first couple months then all of a sudden, bam, God sends me $60 and I can pass on the blessing to others. I would like to join your, which we don't even have. He says, I would like to join your prison ministry 
uh, when I get out. If possible, now and continue when I get out. Like you said, God has big plans for me, and he is just getting started. I'm going to send this out so I can... I'm going to... I'm going to send this out so I can get a return letter. Thank you so much. God bless William Tall. Isn't that amazing? You know, one of the reasons I wanted to go back into 2 Samuel this morning was this. And I'm going to leave you with three challenges on this, and I, I know my time's gone, way gone. Mephibosheth was in Lodabar, the house of Mekar in Lodabar. And it means without pasture, without home. It means without identity. The house of Makar was a man who was a slave trader. It was a place, by the way, they had identity theft way back in those days. If you wanted to lose your identity, you went to the house of Makar in Lodabar. It was a place where he was comfortable. You know, when you've been running and when you're hurting and you're bad, you know what you want to do? You want to isolate, you want to insulate, you want to find a place to hide and the house of Makar was a slave trader, and he would help you get lost. But the Bible says David searched him out. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit's going to find you. God's going to find you. And God and David did not care about when he found him. Guess what also David found about Mephibosheth? It was says he was lame on both feet. Because one day when the Philistines were coming against Israelites, a nurse picked up Mephibosheth, and while she was running with this infant, which was Mephibosheth, the Bible says she stumbled and dropped him, and his legs broke and never healed right. So you got all these things adding up into this young man's life, the victim of other people's mistakes and issues, hiding, thinking he's, he's a dead man if David finds him, Three things I'm going to close with, and I'm going to leave you with three challenges. Number one, you've got to be willing to leave Lodabar. You've got to forget and put those things behind you. You've got to leave Lodabar. You've got to separate yourself from people that are holding you in Lodabar. Some of us here have been hanging around people that are feeding your pity. Self-pity is the devil's playground. You hang around people long enough, you you just don't understand what that church just went put me through. Get get away from that. Or what those people, or what that job, or what my family were put. Get away from self-pity. Conquerors and victors are not built on pity. You can't build a winner on that. You've got to leave the house of Lodabar. And by the way, the house of Lodabar was a safe place because no one could find me. But David searched him out. Do you know God's love will find you? God will not give up until he finds you. The second challenge is this. You've got to be willing to receive his love. And here's another one. God wants to honor you. David honored Mephibosheth in the presence of the whole court. And he said this, I'm going to restore all. Everyone say restore all. Says that David restored all that was, that he lost from his grandfather's sins. Isn't it amazing? God restores generation, what the, what the enemy meant for evil. God restored all. All the land was restored. And the last one was this is that four times in 2 Samuel 9, time's gone, I know, four times David said this to Mephibosheth. Four times. You will always eat at the king's table as one of the king's sons. Now, by the way, David wasn't saying, I want you to eat at my table because I know you've had a hard life and I want you to have some of the delicacies and all the fine food here at the smorgasbord. That was not why David had him sit at the king's table. David wanted him at the king's table to renew his identity. He wanted to destroy that orphan spirit and help him to understand, I want you, Mephibosheth, even though you've been like a slave, you've lost your identity, you have nothing, you feel like you've lost everything, I want you to know as David, 
as the king of Israel. I'm here to restore you and adopt you as one of my sons. And I want you to start thinking like a king. Because do you know that Mephibosheth should have been the rightful king, but God rejected not only Saul, but the descendants because of Saul's disobedience to God. God God took, it was a pretty heavy thing against Saul. Do you know that my sin as a father can be transferred to my kids if I'm not walking carefully? Some of you may say, I don't accept that. Well, the Bible says the sins of the fathers are visited to the third and fourth generations. I don't want that to happen. I want to walk in repentance. I'm just saying this to you, that I've got to be willing to take my seat at the king's table. I've got to be willing to come up to the table. I'm going to start, I'm going to start thinking like a king's son. I've been invited to, the, I've invited to the table. I'm going to start thinking like the winner. God's blessed me. He wants to bring strength, increase into my life. I'm not going to allow wrong thinking, strongholds. Everyone say strongholds. Not going to allow strongholds to guide my life anymore. I'm a new creature in Christ. How many new creatures do we got out here? What does it say about being a new creature? All things have passed away and all things have become new. I want you to realize you are powerful, you are great. There's a greatness. He's given you beauty for ashes. Turn to your neighbor right now. So there's beauty all over you. Come on, let's do it. There's greatness on you. The, the goodness of God. I want you to say this. I'm blessed. I'm increased. Exceedingly abundantly. Above all. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Yeah. Folks, all I've given to you was the Word of God this morning. Yeah. And you know what I believe? The year of the Holy Spirit is the year of opportunity. It is the year of expectancy. It is the year of promotion. It is the year of breakthrough. It is the year of being blessed. It is the year of thinking big. It is the, th- it is the year of the greatness, the goodness, the loving kindness of a God who really loves to bless His people. He knows that when you win, the world wins. That's why the devil works so hard to keep you in darkness, keep you suppressed, keeping you feeling sorry for yourself, keeping you thinking that you're a victim, keeping you thinking that the whole world hates you. He wants you to think like, get into these, and if you've seen any television, these stupid political squabbles on the media. Get out of that kind of thinking. Start dwelling, dwelling, dwelling and meditating. On the Word of God, read, read this living book. This is the living bread from heaven. When you begin to start reading, heaven is going to start filling your mind. You're going to start thinking thoughts. They're not just positive thoughts. They're supernatural thoughts. God's going to give you words of wisdom, words of knowledge. It's going to bring you wisdom and understanding. He's going to give you the kind of creative thinking that's going to take you even to your places of employment, new levels. And they're going to say, why is that employee, man, he's coming up with some amazing ideas, some creative ideas. We've got to promote that guy. I wonder why he's so smart. It must be his education. No, it's not his education. It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will begin to make room. The Bible says that a man's gift makes room for himself. When you begin to saturate your mind in the Word of God, Psalms 1 says you will be like a tree planted by the waters and your leaf will not wither and whatsoever you do will prosper. How many of you want to prosper? I want to prosper. By the way, prosperity has nothing to do with just your pocketbook either and friends and and all that. The true prosperity is what God is doing in your soul, your heart, your mind, your family, your relationships, your home, your children. There's a faith mindset. The spirit, the atmosphere in the home changes. That's why the devil has been working on some of us over time. Amen? Now, everyone say, thank God he's done. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? I believe 
I believe, I believe, I believe. I really believe that He does exceedingly more abundantly what we could ask or think. I, I really believe it. I've seen Him do it. You know, I'm still rejoicing. I'm wearing my cowboy boots up here. Again, it's not about cowboy boots. It's about pain-free toes. You know, and I'm going to say this too, and, I, and I'm not here to, I'm not bragging about it, but I, the Lord spoke to me. He says, I'm going to give you ministry of healing. I'm going to lay hands on the sick, and uh, I don't know why the, the, the foot, but I think we're to give the devil a good old boot out of the, our bodies and stand on the promises of God. But you've got to believe. Remember, believing isn't just some mental acceptance. Believing is walking out what you know. Now faith is, is, faith is, faith is, it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is. Everyone say is. Faith is. I have that, that breakthrough. But take your hand, take your neighbor by the hand, would you? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you are doing amazing things in us. Nothing is impossible with God. Lord, sometimes the way up, like Joseph, was through the prison through false accusation, even through the rejection of his own family. The way up may not have been our plan. We wouldn't have chosen that path. But Lord, you were preparing an amazing leader. You were preparing a man to lead a nation. Father, you never walk us through anything that you don't give us the grace to come through it. You never have allowed us to walk through anything that you're not always ever present. Ever present. Lord, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Give someone a hug. Love them in Jesus' name. God bless you.